gave you guys a sneak peek of this um, a few days ago on the Instagram post here. On the Instagram. I sound so old when I talk about that. Do <laughs> you Instagram. have the Instagram? <laughs> or the Facebooks? Do you have the Facebooks? I have one of those Facebooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, fine. I, I have the Instagram and I posted a thing. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm Jet. I'm Bree. And this is the Sustainable Culture Podcast Book Club Episode 1. Welcome. I'm so excited that we're doing this. Yes, I'm really excited, too. It's a great <laughs> book. <laughs> yes. So uh, we decided to do a book club uh, <clears throat> because, well, a few reasons. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'll start. I'll start. Um, okay. So the, <laughs> the one of the main things that I... Um, love about reading in the first place is not just how much I learn from doing it, but also how it makes me feel when I read a really good book. Um, and you remember those emotions when you, like, well after, years after. I mean, mm -hmm. you can read a really, really impactful book and it will just totally blow your mind. Yeah. And, and you'll remember this stuff for years and years and years and years and years and so i wanted to incorporate some of these thoughts into the idea of learning more about sustainability and becoming more conscious of our society in different ways and and there's just so there's so many directions we could go it's unlimited yeah. so um so i'm super stoked to start this at, at any capacity so um brie yes as far <laughs> as as far as um what you've uh, been thinking about the book club. Have, how, why did you want to do this? Um, well, pretty much the same reasons. I really feel like, yeah, one, books will always leave a lasting emotional response. Um, so if you see something, you'll have an emotional reaction to it before you ever have a logical reaction to it. And I think books help prime you for that. Yeah. Um, another reason is, you know, reading books always keeps topics really salient in your mind. So it's constantly on the back burner. And so it's really easy, you know, to live a sustainable lifestyle, but then kind of either get lazy or something happens. This is just a really good way of reinforcing, like, that lifestyle. So you're always immersed in it. Hmm. And the other thing, too, is it's like, oh, my gosh, books are the very first way we shared ideas, aside from, like, oral, or oral storytelling mm -hmm. around a campfire. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the printing press changed the way that we communicated as humans, and, you know, for you yeah, specifically, totally. the Sustainable Culture Podcast is all about communication. And so... I mean, we're never going to meet Jane Goodall in person. I mean, it would be awesome if we Hopefully. did. I mean, we, I'd love to. I'll try. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is a way for us to get inside of her head and experience her experiences on a very personal level. And I don't think that there's really any other way to do it. Yeah. So I'm all about a book club. We decided to start, and, and I, I 
Yeah, I gave you guys a sneak peek of this um, a few days ago on the Instagram post here. On the Instagram. I sound so old when I talk about that. Do <laughs> you Instagram. have the Instagram? <laughs> or the Facebooks? Do you have the Facebooks? I have one of those Facebooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, fine. I, I have the Instagram, and I posted a thing <laughs> with the hashtags and the such. Yes, um, that thing. <laughs> about the book. And uh, we're doing... We're doing Jane Goodall's A Reason a reason for... Here I go. It's okay. I'm Have you like... heard about the Pokemans? That, what's that <laughs> thing you like? Oh my gosh. Uh, let's... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is the book we chose. It's, it's Reason for Hope, A Spiritual Journey by Jane Goodall. Um, and this was a very well thought out decision by the both of us. Now, you've read this book, right? I have, and it's phenomenal. And how long ago did you read this? Um, I think it was about six to eight months ago, um, I think. I'm really bad at keeping track of my books. You read a lot more books than I do. A lot also. of books, yes. Brie reads a lot of books, <laughs> you guys. So, okay, let's stop there for a second. Okay. How many yes. books does Brie read? Um, on, average, on average, like, uh, usually six books a month. Sometimes it's eight, depending on, like, the length. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a super long book, uh like a huge series, maybe four a month, mm -hmm. but it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where I would love to get to. Uh, right now I'm working on a book a month, but. Hey, that's um, a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this book is, uh, we chose this book as kind of a group uh, decision here because, uh, well, I say group, small group at the moment, but we chose this book because right now things are so crazy. Um, and I'm just going to use the word crazy. There's many words I could use. Crazy works. Crazy. Um, you know, I I think our society has been upended in many different ways. And it's hard to navigate exactly how to be and what to do and what's the right thing to do. And I don't feel like anybody really knows yeah. at this point. Um, there's a lot of people who think they know. And so that's caused a lot of disagreements between different people. And there's just been, it's just crazy out there right now. Angry you guys. flailing everywhere. Angry flailing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like. yeah. <laughs> so this book, Reason for Hope, I think we could all use a bit more hope in our society right now. Um, it's very easy when things like this start to happen um, because when it comes to you know, dire straits and, and especially when it's society wide and worldwide, it's very easy to kind of develop that mindset of screw it. You know, nothing's right. going to change. <clears throat> um, yeah. Very, get very cynical. Yes. Um, yes. And I've been there Me and too. I think we all struggle with it. Yes. So that's, that's why we chose this book. Um, and I'm very, very excited. I've never read it. You've read it. Mm -hmm. What did you take away from this book that really oh. inspired you to, to choose this as well? So the reason why I uh, kind of threw this one out there is because this is the first book, and this is going to sound really strange, but the first book I felt that gave me the permission slip I needed to live a sustainable life. Um, because, mm. you know, there's thousands of ways to live a sustainable life, um, but... I wasn't quite sure how to put it into my life. I mean, there's so many, everyone has so many different variables of how they, they go about their life and so many conflicting ideas. And I felt like I had found a kindred spirit with Jane where we had a lot of things in common. It turns out we share the same Enneagram number. 
So, oh, cool. <laughs> so that was kind of neat. I found that out a, a while ago. Soul sisters. Um, but the way that she thought is a, very similar to how I think. And I was really struggling with, like, you know, how do I pair my spiritual life with sustainability? How do I um, pair my business life with sustainability? And how do I, you know, pair my experiences with sustainability? Because there was, like, no one set answer. And so when I was reading her book, just listening to her experiences going like, oh my gosh, I relate to this so much, it produced such like an emotional reaction for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the answer I needed. Mm. This is the story I needed to hear to make everything super concrete for me. And it was liberating, completely liberating. Um, and personally for me, um, and that, the spiritual journey part of it, um, I feel like there's such a divide between many different faiths and having a love for the environment where it always feels like an either or type thing yeah it does and to me like a dichotomy a, a super big dichotomy where like you know if you're of one faith but you're also really into environmentalism people are like oh my gosh you just worship the dirt and mm. that's super you know heretical or whatever <laughs> and you pagan yeah exactly <laughs> and so it was really yeah. one of those things where i felt like super torn by so many different parts of my personality and then reading her experiences of growing up in you know a, a spiritual way and then having multiple experiences and how that helped shape her view of like the world and her spirituality was just so awesome i guess mm. in a way that i never had anyone you know show it to me before yeah and um i know I mean, sure, I'm sure we'll get into it. Spirituality is such a touchy issue for a lot of people. It sure um, is. That's about as hot topic or hot button. It, it is. It yeah. really is. And I think the way that Jane shares her experiences, to me, it's like looking at someone paint a picture. And it's beautiful and it's tragic and it's it's amazing it's hmm. her story is if it doesn't resonate with you i'm really sorry i don't know how that's possible that it couldn't because it's <laughs> such a raw story and she yeah. doesn't leave anything out um it's good it's honest it's an honest emotionally evoking story well i'm excited that um, was a long tangent i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay if if you're here and you're on the sustainable culture podcast you better learn to like tangents because that's how i talk that's okay. just how it works yes all right <laughs> so i that is a wonderful explanation of this and it it in and, and that is an interesting thing in general i think because mm -hmm. when it comes to science i yes. mean you know jane goodall and of course if you're unfamiliar with Jane Goodall, where you been the last like 20 years? But <laughs> no if, if you are unfamiliar, Jane Goodall, you know, quick background. She's an anthropologist. She's the world famous primatologist, legendary, I yes. would say. Um, she wrote the book on wrote primatology. The book on you bet yeah. she did. And when it comes to this stuff, if the interesting about thing about science, especially when, you know, the sciences of studying human beings mm -hmm. and those related to human beings, which is what Jane Goodall has always done. What I find really interesting is that it, you, you mentioned the either or the yeah. dichotomy mm -hmm. and it, that comes up all the time. It's mm -hmm. always, it's always like if you believe in science, spirituality somehow can't exist right. in that same mindset <clears throat> and, and it, and vice versa. If right. for some reason you're extremely spiritual, there's no place for science. And I, that has always really bugged me. Me too. Um, yeah. yeah. Isn't it's, that weird? It's, it feels, if life isn't holistic, it just doesn't feel yeah. right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So there's a guy that I follow. His name's Satish Kumar. I've talked about him before on the podcast. I've posted things about him. Um, his name again is Satish Kumar. 
He is from India. He is uh, a, the founder of Shoemaker College in the UK, and he is a huge voice in a movement called Deep Ecology. And deep Ecology is, to give you a quick background here, it's a very cyclical way of thinking of things because essentially what he proposes, what Kumar um, uh, proposes is every decision we make, be it political, governmental, um, business-oriented, whatever, should be with the health of nature, therefore human beings in mind. Um, yeah, it's shocking that that's such a radical idea. Isn't that strange? It's very and, strange. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, he's one of those people, the reason I bring him up in relation to what we're discussing regarding the dichotomy of spirituality and science is he does such an eloquent job at um, making people realize just by gently talking about the subject. Mm -hmm. That's what's interesting. He's done, you should look up his Ted talks. Um, he does one on, it's called soil, soul, and society. I've shared it on Facebook before, but, um, he talks about how important diversity is not just like the divert hot, you know, like the hot topic diversity we have modernized and publicized and mm -hmm. talk about on Instagram and make look good on a hashtag. What I'm talking about is the diversity um, that he talks about regarding, yes, diversity between cultures and people and backgrounds and stories. Absolutely. That is 100%. We got to latch onto that. Um, we haven't latched onto that as a society yet. We were working on it. But he also talks about the diversity within humans and nature itself, that nature is as diverse as it gets. And I mean, we're still finding species that exist. We haven't even... Don't get me started on the ocean. Oceanic species, it's like, yeah. we know more about space, I feel like, than we do about the ocean sometimes. I, I just watched uh, an hour-long documentary on worms three days ago. We're <laughs> still finding worm species. Of Are all we? Things. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And so what he talks about is understanding that, yes, we need science to understand how the world works, but we need spirituality to understand how the world works, too. We need, we need that to determine what is important to us as human beings. I mean, when you talk about, you know, having hope and things like that, I mean, a lot of this is emotionally based mm -hmm. and through emotion comes a lot of spiritual experiences. Um, and you can quantify a lot of this stuff with right. science. Absolutely. It's all linked. I it mean, um, there's people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, yeah. who I've mentioned yep. to you before. Um, another guy you should look into. Um, he combines neuroscience with like quantum physics and or quantum theory, I should say, and uh, and spirituality. He talks about the importance of meditation and how you can actually change the way that your mind functions based on spiritual experiences. And he shows you the neuroscience behind it, which Does is take a lot absolutely of, uh, mind blowing. The Shaolin type stuff. In his works, I've read a little bit of his stuff. But... Sort of. Um, if you've heard, of, now that we're mentioning name dropping here, um, you've heard of Wim Hof. Yeah, everyone's heard of Wim yeah. Hof. I've now, done I his feel method like. before. The breathing method. Yes. Yeah, the crazy Icelandic guy who's awesome. By he the is, way, he is pretty cool. Yeah, shout out Wim Hof if you're watching. <laughs> please uh, know that we love you. But the the <clears throat> the interesting thing um, regarding that <clears throat> is that with the Shaolin monks is people like Wim Hof who teach about power of the mind right. and, and how you can control that through physical things. Mm -hmm. um, Joe Dispenza kind of parallels some of that. And I think, I don't know if it's intentional, probably not, but, mm -hmm. but it is interesting because, you know, people like Wim Hof were, it's, it's very similar to what the Shaolin monks have figured right. out f 
from millennia ago. Yeah. Um, you know, they have figured out to control their minds in order to manipulate what is possible physically. And right. we have always, as a modern Western society, mm. been flabbergasted as how <laughs> are they doing this? You know, we've seen the yeah. Shaolin monks like getting hit with these huge canes yeah. and like coming out completely unscathed yeah. and all this type of stuff. Um, they can just be totally shirtless in ice cold weather and not be bothered at all and things like that. And um, that is a com combination to wrap this all up in a big fat circle. And remember, we're talking in tangents, the yes. same <laughs> culture podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there is a point. There is a point here is that the, the fact that you can manipulate raw energy to change your physical, uh, your physiology. Yeah is is it takes spirituality it takes understanding the spiritual realm to understand these things yeah and it, oh gosh, it sounds hippy dippy no, but it's it's pure science say, in my theory opinion. of mind is like a topic for multiple episodes you bet yeah you bet um i would love to read some books on that that would there be fantastic are, i've got a few i'll send them to you nice yeah well and mentioning joe dispenza actually yeah. his book um he has a well he, said he has several books but one of his books um called uh, breaking the habit of being yourself is on my list. Um, I like it. It's it sounds really cool. I'm yeah. really I'm all about that. And I think a book by Satish Kumar. Come to think of it, is on. It, I wouldn't be surprised if I put it on my. I was going to say I'm really looking forward to reading some of his works because I haven't yet. He's he's yeah. not as well known as yeah. most anybody, but he is such a gem. You guys have got to find him. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Um, yeah, his philosophy is just wonderful, very refreshing, and kind of like Jane Goodall as far as the. It's so refreshing for these modern times, how much we need each other and how much reward we get out of that. I agree. Yeah. I feel like I want to ask, do you feel like spirituality in any topic is almost taboo in our culture in a way? Like we're desperately looking for it, but it's also super taboo to talk about. I feel like it mm. almost I is. think in certain cultures, like micro cultures, it might be, yeah. um, you know, obviously if you're in a spiritual lifestyle, um, whether that be Christianity mm -hmm. or whatever you follow, or if that is, if you're not religious, you're just spiritual or whatever it might be. And I'm not making fun of you. I'm just, I am kind of making fun of you because it's, I make fun of myself all the time. <laughs> but, um, but if you can't laugh at yourself, I don't know how you can laugh at all. Um, so, <laughs> but if you are following any kind of spiritual life, I think that it's you know more of a common topic of course mm -hmm. I and mean, everything you talk about it seems to be about i was raised in a christian home and so mm -hmm. when it came to i mean spirituality was always what we talked about right but in regular society regular secular society mm -hmm. is maybe the better way to put that i think when you bring up spirituality to people who are perhaps agnostic or atheist or, or maybe someone of a different faith even maybe a different faith yeah. i think you can it immediately puts on the defense yeah and and that's what makes it so difficult to discuss uh, comfortably yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. But, and I yeah. think, again, it, it brings us back to this book of like, all right, we're just going to break this taboo. Like, yeah. no matter what faith you follow, let's just talk about, let's make this, yes. let's make this an open topic. Yes. Yeah. I would highly recommend that uh, those of you listening <laughs> and watching, and if you want, if you're joining in on this, um, and we're going to, we're going to talk a bit in a minute um, about how to join in on the fun with the book club and everything, but I would highly recommend that you approach this entire thing with the, the most open mind you possibly can. I'm not asking you to change your entire worldview 
necessarily. Um, but be open to the idea that you don't have everything figured out. And that if you follow a certain faith, that, you know, maybe your opinions on other faiths might be a bit biased and they're therefore skewed, um, maybe a little bit inaccurate even. Maybe the people that you outright disagree with, if you're on the left and you're looking at the right or vice versa, or if you're a person who likes Bill Gates versus a person who yeah. <laughs> thinks he's some kind of horrible person, I don't know. I mean, whatever it might be, be prepared to, and, and make the effort even, to understand those that you disagree with and, and really we're, we're learning to love each other here, you yeah. guys. That's, that's kind of the goal. The other thing in this book is it's not overtly spiritual. It's as a spiritual journey. And she does, you know, talk about it. But in a way, it's like how in, it's spiritual in a way of how do people relate to the natural environment yeah. in that kind of way. It's not like you're going to get browbeat with a religious lesson or something like that. Hmm. It's her story. And I mean, spirituality plays a huge role in her story. And so that's just how it is. Do you ever follow Russell Brand? Uh, every now and then. I, yeah, every now and then. <laughs> he's, first off, he's really fun to just listen to. Yeah, <laughs> I'd his, say. Maybe it's his accent. I mean, it's such a thick, you know. It is super, super English. <laughs> I can't even, I'm not even going to try to mimic. Um, I would love to mimic his accent. Maybe I'll get really good at it and do it one day on the show. <laughs> but Here you go, the entire episode. Yeah, but he, people like him have really uh, been talking lately about, um, just the idea that modern society, where we're at as an age, you know, mm -hmm. every society in history has ages. You know, we had the age of enlightenment right. and all this stuff. And uh, I think I would agree with what he says a lot, that we are at an age right now where science and spirituality are at this impasse. Yeah. Almost. Well, I don't even know if impasse is the right way to put it. It's just It just seems like those who follow pure science and those who follow pure spirituality are starting to realize that there might be more of a connection than we had originally thought. And and I think that's a big moment in our yeah. society right now. As I far think as it's the crumbling of materialism as the end-all be-all for schools of thought. Really. Oh, that's really well said. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think... I have no attachment really to materialist ideas. Like well, I aren't, do, you're a minimalist, aren't you? Well, material. Well, so yes, yes, I am. A, I am a minimalist, but materialism in how we approach the world, where if it can't be quantified, it doesn't exist, hmm. type of thing. Yeah. And I think as we approach different schools of thought, that's going to crumble a little bit because if you go into theory of mind, it's really, really hard to apply materialism to theory of mind. Mm. You can. I mean, there's some schools of thought that believe like we're basically just chemical soup and you know mm -hmm. that's how the mind works that is extremely condensed of yeah. how that works like one of my psych professors was um i think it's called de determinism don't quote me on that one where we think we're making a decision but when they're taking readings a neuron's firing before that decision comes to light you yeah. know um yeah. but there's a lot of people that disagree with that. And so there's these, these breakdowns we see in our modern theories where what we would consider spirituality to be starting to poke holes into it. Um, and so modern thought is a very materialist thought of like, if it's not in the, the world, it doesn't exist type of thinking. Hmm. Um, but then again, you know, materialism was going to bleed yeah. out into how we... Um, if, if materialism is the religion of today, it's going to show up in how we interact with the world. And that you can be seen or can be seen yeah. in the consumerist culture, you know, with the whole um, 
advent of uh, was it Edward Bernay, I think. I don't remember. Basically, the fodder sure. of modern propaganda. It was a um, Freud's nephew, I think. There's a phenomenal oh. eight-hour documentary that I highly recommend. <laughs> eight hours. It is worth the eight-hour. That's hour a few watch. days worth of watching, right there. Um, basically, and it's just like so. How our our main schools of thought are going to affect how we interact with the world, and I'm my personal opinion is is the way that we are interacting with the world right now is detrimental to us and the environment. Yeah, and so that's why I brought up earlier why I think spirituality is a little taboo is because it kind of flies in the face of how we've been living for so long it's true and i think i mean do you think that's why people get so defensive about the topic of sustainability i think it i think it is i think i think because it's so alien in a way and it's funny too because you know um especially where we live there's very set ways of living and people get really really defensive about um ideas of like hey maybe you shouldn't consume so much or hey you know yeah you don't like being told how to live yes especially not in this country new um and you know i'm not saying that we need to tell people how to live but show them how to live and i think that's where again going back to the book jane does such a good job because she's like here is my life this is an example Hmm. take it or leave it you know I know when I mention sustainability to people, like when people are like, so yeah, what are you, what are you studying? You know, like everything. <laughs> right. and I'm like, I'm, I'm studying how to develop sustainable communities. Immediately, people are like, oh, <laughs> tell me all about that. Like half into it, definitely more not into it. Checking than their watch, checking the They're phone. They're like, can I go now? Yeah. I am so sorry I asked this guy this question. <laughs> you know, like I, I, but what's interesting is I, I see the eyebrows raise mm-hmm. when I start to talk about the importance of building up ourselves emotionally right. and psychologically. Absolutely. As part of that foundational, you know, the, that's the foundational step, step yes. zero, you know, like, individual and, responsibility. Yeah. And people are like, you mean I can better myself? And that is part of building a sustainable society. And what's interesting is I, I notice how interested people get in, yes. into that and, you know, call it self-helpy for sure. I mean, it's 100%. I read, I've read many self-help books. Um, and what's interesting is a lot of the philosophies behind some self-help books, mm-hmm. the best, the good ones anyway, Right. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, are just so gold when it comes to the idea of developing sustainable societies in relation to building up ourselves, mm-hmm. getting better at interpersonal communication, right. um, really building value in each other yeah. thereby enhancing our own value it's yeah. just cyclical absolutely which it, is the whole sustainable thing is yeah is a cycle well you that's know? the thing too is the minute you can tap into someone's self-interest yeah that's how you make a change you got him gotcha yeah <laughs> reeling them in so so let's talk a bit about um how the book club's gonna work yes and uh it, yeah back to the point here uh enough fun <laughs> for today uh no uh, this is so exciting uh what we are gonna do today by the way is we're gonna read the introduction um to this it's quite short here's how to join in on the fun number one you're gonna need to buy the book or, or get a hold of the book somehow Library has it. We've confirmed the library has it. Yep. Um, we have confirmed that uh, it is such a thing on audiobooks. Oh, what did you say was so cool about the audiobook? Uh, Jane narrates it, which I think is awesome. Oh, it yeah. makes me want to just do that. Yeah. Well, and again, it's like for people who don't have time to read, like obviously the audiobook is the way to go. I mean, yeah. everyone commutes, everyone grocery shops. I can't make it through a grocery store without my earbuds in because it's just sensory overload for me. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you're an audiobook person... 
Or if you're not a book reading person and you want to try and learn something really cool and enhance your life somehow, let Jane Goodall do it for you and, and try an audiobook. I know that many audiobook companies will give you, what is it, two weeks or... You get a free trial is what I'm saying. Um, um, yeah, I think your first audiobook with Audible is free. Um, always. Well, the first book. The first book the is first free. Book, yeah. Yeah, and then afterwards, if you like it, I think it's I pay thirteen dollars a month. I think you get a credit. You can buy more credits at a reduced rate. Mm-hmm. And if you read yeah. a lot, that's a killer deal. It's a killer deal, and it's that's how I exist. That's like my one. Today's like... <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Audible. No, I'd not no, really. No, not, not really. But, not really. We would have much better equipment, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a really good service. I, yeah. I have nothing bad to say about it. And I've been able to return audiobooks before. So Yeah. Yeah, I would say if if that works better for you, get the audiobook. Um but uh otherwise you can find the book. I, I got it used online and you don't have to buy the hardcover. Hardcovers are as most more expensive. They just stack so well. Mm -hmm. I just <laughs> So I'm a I'm a hardcover guy. That was just my personal preference, but um, but you can find this book for a few bucks. Online. I bought it last night used for a dollar ninety seven because I had the audiobook version of go. it, and I I want to be able to. I'm a highlighter. I am rough on books. Oh, I so I don't want to buy a book rough. from you. No, <laughs> I'll be like, what was she? Also, studying? do not loan me a book. You will never see it again. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people's books I have. I'm really sorry if Duly you loan me noted. a book. Yeah, I will never loan you a book. Don't. <laughs> don't do it if you really really want me to read a book buy me like a gift card for amazon so i can buy it used yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah you'll never see it again noted so get a hold of the book um and what you can do is we're going to meet up every month and so this being the first episode we really just kind of wanted to introduce the book itself and every time we do introduce a new book it'll kind of be similar we'll talk about the book a bit why we picked it how we feel about the whole concept of the you know book concept itself and uh, maybe talk about the author a bit. It kind of depends on w what book we decide on. So get a hold of the book. Again, it's called Reason for Hope, A Spiritual Journey by Jane Goodall. And read along with us. We are going to be meeting next month, June 17th, which is a Wednesday. And on that day, we're going to have... And if you don't have it completed by then, that's totally fine. Uh, we will. But, you know, what we're going to do at that point is just talk about the book a bit in various different ways open up really intellectual discussion i say intellectual but we're talking to two dorks so, <laughs> so. <laughs> it'll be pseudo intellectual pseudo intellectual yeah. that's a way better way to put we'll it look up our big words for everyone yeah yeah we'll maybe have a dictionary or thesaurus right here with what's the word for <laughs> this is supposed to help our vocabulary oh man so. <laughs> well we started the episode with like slurred speech already that's true so yeah that's what we're gonna do we're just gonna read a book a month and if you guys want to join along with us, I would love that. I hope you do. And the other thing, too, is if you want to uh, potentially be have a little feature on the show, um, send us either a, you know, a comment that you how the book impacted you. Um, send us suggestions on books. Absolutely. There are no shortage of those. We're collecting all of them. And uh, we want to discuss you know, what books are, are good to read yes. and everything like that. That's going to be exciting to pick new books and everything. And then um, the other thing, too, is if you want to send in a brief audio clip, 10 to 30 seconds or so, about how this book has impacted you, your thoughts on it, uh, maybe criticisms even that you might have for the book. We want to hear those. And if those are good to where uh, we think we could share those to where it would, in you know, enhance the show or anything like that, 
we'll play it on the show and uh, i would love to just hear and we'll read your comments and stuff like yeah. that do you have a deadline Anything. for audio clips deadline for audio clips i would say send them to us at least a week beforehand so the 17th that would be by the 10th yeah so by the 10th send us those audio clips um, you can record those with your phones. It doesn't have to be pretty sounding. You don't have to have a recording studio and, yeah. you know, uh, be a voice actor or anything <laughs> like that. Um, just send us what you think. Raw thoughts are, are what we're talking about. Yeah. Here. And, and so, then uh, follow uh, Sustainable Culture Podcast on Instagram. Every Wednesday, we're going to be posting something relating to the book. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah, follow us there. So uh, we're going to read the introduction here. It's just a few pages long. I hope you guys like it. I'm really excited. So. Many years ago, in the spring of 1974, I visited the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. There were not many people around, and it was quiet and still inside. I gazed in silent awe at the great rose window, glowing in the morning sun. All at once the cathedral was filled with a huge volume of sound, an organ playing magnificently for a wedding taking place in a distant corner. Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor. I had always loved the opening theme. But in the cathedral, filling the entire vastness, it seemed to enter and possess my whole self. It was as though the music itself was alive. That moment, a suddenly captured moment of eternity, was perhaps the closest I have ever come to experiencing ecstasy, the ecstasy of the mystic. How could I believe it was the chance gyrations of bits of primeval dust that had led up to that moment in time, the cathedral soaring to the sky, the collective inspiration and faith of those who caused it to be built, the advent of Bach himself, the brain, his brain, that translated truth into music, and the mind that could, as mine did then, comprehend the whole inexorable progression of evolution. Since I cannot believe that this was the result of chance, I have to admit anti-chance. And so I must believe in a guiding power in the universe. In other words, I must believe in God. I was taught as a scientist to think logically and empirically rather than intuitively or spiritually. When I was at Cambridge University in the early 1960s, most of the scientists and science students working in the Department of Zoology, so far as I could tell, were agnostic or even atheist. Those who believed in a god kept it hidden from their peers. Fortunately, by the time I got to Cambridge, I was 27 years old, and my beliefs had already been molded so that I was not influenced by these opinions. I believed in the spiritual power that, as a Christian, I called God. But as I grew older and learned about different faiths, I came to believe that there was, after all, but one God with different names, Allah, Teo, the Creator, and so on. God, for me, was the great spirit in whom we live and move and have our being. There have been times in, during my life when this belief wavered, when I questioned, even denied the existence of God. And there have been times when I have despaired that we humans can ever get out of the environmental and social mess which we have created for ourselves and other life forms on the planet. Why is the human species so destructive, so selfish and greedy and sometimes truly evil? At such times I feel there can be no underlying meaning to the emergence of life in, on earth. And if there is no meaning, doesn't this suggest, as a bitter New York skinhead once put it, that the human species is simply an evolutionary goof? Still, for me, those periods of doubt have been relatively rare, triggered by a variety of circumstances, such as when my second husband died of cancer, when the ethnic hatred erupted in the little country of Burundi, and I heard terrible tales of torture and mass killings that reminded me of the unspeakable evils of the Holocaust. When four of my students studying in the Gombe National Park in Tanzania 
were kidnapped and held for ransom. How, I ask myself on such occasions, how can I be expected to believe in some divine plan in the face of so much suffering, so much hatred, so much destruction? Yet somehow I overcame those periods of doubt. Most of the time I'm optimistic about the future. There are, however, many people today who have lost whatever faith and hope they had, whether in God or human destiny. Since 1986, I have been traveling almost constantly. I do this to raise funds for the various conservation and educational projects of the Jane Goodall Institute, and to share with as many people as possible a message that I feel is desperately important, a message that concerns the nature of human beings and our relationship to other animals with whom we share the planet, and a message of hope, hope for the future of life on Earth. These tours are exhausting. During a recent, and typical, seven-week tour in North America, for example, I went to 27 cities, climbed on and off a total of 32 airplanes, on which I tried to catch up on the ever-increasing amount of paperwork, and gave 71 lectures, speaking directly to about 32,500 people. In addition, I gave 170 media interviews, and I had many business meetings, lunches, dinners, even breakfasts. All my lecture tours have similarly crazy schedules. In the course of my travels, one thing detracts from my enjoyment of meeting people. I suffer from an embarrassing, condi- er, embarrassing, curiously humbling neurological condition called prosopagnosia, which, translated, means I have problems in face recognition. I used to think that it was due to some mental laziness, and I tried desperately to memorize the faces of the people I met so that, if I saw them the next day, I would recognize them. I had no trouble with those who had obvious physical characteristics, unusual bone structure, beaky nose, extreme beauty, or the opposite. But with other faces I failed, miserably. Sometimes I knew that people were upset when I did not immediately recognize them. Certainly I was. And because I was embarrassed, I kept it to myself. Quite by chance, when talking to a friend recently, I found that he suffered from the same problem. I could not believe it. Then I discovered my own sister Judy knew similar embarrassment. Perhaps others did also. I wrote to the well-known neurologist, Dr. Oliver Sacks. Had he ever heard of such an unusual condition? Not only had he heard of it, he suffered from it himself. And his situation was far more extreme than mine. He sent me a paper titled Developmental Memory Impairment, Faces and Patterns by Christine Temple. Even now that I know I need not feel guilty, it is still difficult to know how to cope. I can hardly go around telling everyone I meet that I probably won't remember them from Adam next time I see them. Or maybe I should. It is humiliating, because most people think I am making an elaborate excuse for my failure to recognize them, and that, obviously, I don't really care about them at all, so they are hurt. I have to cope as best I can, usually by pretending to recognize everyone. And while that can have its awkward moments, too, it's not nearly as bad as the other way around. People, whether I recognize them or not, are always asking where I find my energy. They also comment on how peaceful I seem. How can I be so peaceful, they ask. Do I meditate? Am I religious? Do I pray? Most of all, they ask how I can be so optimistic in the face of so much environmental destruction and human suffering. In the face of overpopulation and overconsumption, pollution, deforestation, desertification, poverty, famine, cruelty, hatred, greed, violence, and war. Does she really believe what she says, they seem to be wondering? What does she really think, deep down? What is her philosophy of life? What is the secret ingredient for her optimism, her hope? I wrote this book to address these questions, because maybe the answers will be helpful. It has required a lot of soul-searching, reawakened periods of my life that I prefer not to think about, caused pain, but I have tried to write my story honestly, else why write the book at all? If you, the reader, find some aspect of my own personal philosophy and faith that is all, that is at all useful or enlightening to you as you travel your own unique path, then my labor will not have been in vain. I'd like to make a quick point there. I know it seems super weird that she included her prosopagnosia in there. It seems like super random, 
like in the yeah. intro. But I was thinking about it going like the entire point of that is she realized that she had suffered with her whole life. But if she had just reached out and looked for that communication and yeah. that network, she would have never had to worry about it. And I think that right there is the entire point of the book. Ooh, that's heavy. Yeah. See, I love, man, what an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Because when I first read the introduction months ago, I'm like, why? And then, so for those yeah. of you who are like, what on earth? That seemed like such a tangent. It's not. <laughs> well, I'm, I am excited to see what comes after. I'm also excited to uh, have a new excuse for not recognizing people now. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say, I'm, what's it called again? Prosopagnosia. Prosa, here it is. Yeah. Prosopag, prosopagnosia. Prosopagnosia. What a word. But I'm going to be uh, sorry. It's my prosopagnosia. So I, the... I, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, there's <laughs> that certain part you? of the brain. I... Is it the, 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 the gyrus something? I can never remember what it's called. The one part of the brain that's completely responsible for human faces is just like, yeah, I'm yeah. going on vacation now. Sorry, I was diagnosed uh, <laughs> yesterday. Uh. <laughs> and it works yeah, it works. yeah for someone with extreme social anxiety like i do like i'm sorry i have no idea who you are yeah <laughs> i'm sorry it's prosopagnosia <laughs> oh man okay not to make light of a real thing but yes. you know um so i am so excited i have no idea what to expect i mean i i have some ideas but i'm really stoked to see to just hear about her story and mm -hmm. so I hope I hope you liked the introduction. Um, I am stoked to read this book. So again, the book is called Reason for Hope, A Spiritual Journey. It is by the wonderful and legendary Jane Goodall. Please go get it and, uh, and follow along with us. So that being said, just to reiterate you guys, um, this is the Sustainable Culture Book Club. This is how it will work. And, uh, and so if you want to send us an audio recording, do so by June 10th, please. If you want to send us comments, any words of wisdom, suggestions, whatever, um, you can send those either on a comment or something like that, or you can send it to the email at sustainableculturepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we want to hear what you guys have to say, and we want to see as many of you join in on the fun as possible. If for whatever reason, by the way, you want to subscribe and follow us, um, we are on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff. There's always a follow or a subscribe button or something like that. Please do like this video, like this uh, this you know audio recording, subscribe to the channel. That is how you will hear about these new episodes. We're going to be coming out with new episodes uh, bi-weekly now, which is so exciting. Yes. Every bi-weekly. <laughs> Every bi-weekly is exactly what I just said. So, um, yeah. It works. It works. Uh, I know what so you mean. It's so exciting. We're going to have more episodes, more content. Uh, you're about to see the Instagram feed light up. It's going to be awesome. Um, yes. Now that I've got a partner in crime here, it's going to be so much better. <laughs> so I, I need to work on my photography skills. So forgive me in a few weeks where you're like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not going to be terrible. I promise. Are you sure? I'm just kidding. Um, so, the, <laughs> so I am so excited. Um, please do get in touch with us if you guys have any questions, words of wisdom, anything like that. And so, yeah, until then, I've been Jet. I've been Bree. Thank you for joining the Sustainable Culture Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.